Welcome to our Wednesday Bible study. Now, this is the, the first part of a series that uh, I'm going to be starting now for the next few weeks, and it's going to cover the point of Scripture. Like, we know that the Bible is so important, right? But what makes it important? We're going to be looking at some of those different areas. And in this video, we're going to be looking at what the point of all of the scripture is all about is that it points to the Messiah. Now, you know, you might not be all that familiar with the term Messiah, although it does appear quite a few times in the Bible. It's the same word as Christ. It means the anointed one. And it all comes down to, to us, at least for, for those of us who are Christians, uh, we believe that Jesus is the Messiah. So the point of the scripture it all points to Jesus Christ and him being the Christ, the Messiah. I know it's maybe a little confusing, but uh, I hope that we can uh, maybe study this idea together and learn more about how all of Scripture, I'm talking about the Old Testament, the New Testament, it points to the Messiah and it teaches us something about Jesus as well. We see this type of language uh, in a few different places. For one, in Romans chapter 10, verse 4, we see that Christ is the culmination of the law, so that there may be righteousness for everyone who believes. So this is one passage that Paul is talking about how, well, look, the culmination, kind of the, the, the main point, the pinnacle, uh, the climax, however you want to kind of say that, of, in this case, he's talking about the law, which would be equated with really, you know, the Bible. Um, but he's saying that Christ is that culmination. He's what everything is pointing to. And then also the Hebrew writer in Hebrews 9.26 says this, Otherwise Christ would have had to suffer many times since the creation of the world, but he has appeared once for all at the culmination of the ages to, to do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself. So now here the Hebrew writer is saying the same type of thing that Paul said. Now, neither one of these specifically states that Christ is the whole point of everything that the Bible is talking about, but it does talk about the culmination of the law being Christ. And in Hebrews, we see that, that Jesus Christ, he appeared and he sacrificed himself, gave up himself um, at the culmination of the ages, kind of at the pinnacle, at the climax of history. So, I mean, even the way that we date things uh, up into the point of Christ, it's dated with literally the initials BC, before Christ. And then after Christ uh, was born, then we started going with the uh, the abbreviation AD, which doesn't exactly mean after death, but it's a that's a nice little way to kind of remember it. it AD actually means in the year of our Lord. In, in fact, if you kind of do this, uh, research some kind of maybe older documents or sometimes even um, pretty official-like documents uh, of our day, they still will say, um, like in this case, it's the year 2021, right? Well, if you're reading some official document, uh, it's not uncommon for you to find 2021 in the year of our Lord. Something like that. Uh, that would be the translation of what AD stands for. But all this comes down to our dating methods and everything comes back to Jesus Christ. Uh, well, specifically, it comes back to Christ. Like I said before, we as Christians, we believe Jesus, he was and is the Christ. So all of this does come back to Jesus being the Christ and he came at the culmination of the ages. So let's take a look at uh, one passage uh, of the scriptures. I, I don't think that we're going to have um, too much time to really uh, focus a whole lot in the Old Testament and in the New. Uh, I hope to do that kind of in the upcoming weeks. But for starters, I want us to look at the end of Luke's gospel. In Luke chapter 24, 
Now, I want to remind you that in Luke chapter 24, if you start in verse 1, you're going to see that Jesus, he raised from the dead. Okay, this is after he's already died. This is after he's buried. And then on the third day, he rises from the dead. Remember that? That was a big deal. That was the culmination of the ages that Hebrews is talking about right here. So whenever he's raised it from the dead, Jesus actually has a few encounters with people that I think is so important for us to look at. And Jesus himself gives teachings as to what the point of the Bible is about. That's what I want us to see. Luke chapter 24. Now we're going to start in verse 13 and we're going to kind of work our way through the end of this chapter. But starting in verse 13. Now, like I said, the first 12 verses, all of it is Jesus has raised it from the dead and they're starting to realize it. Now, news hasn't spread everywhere, um, at least not, not conclusively in the sense of they don't know these things to be absolutely true just yet. It's still in the sense of, okay, some people are saying these reports, but what does that really mean? And they don't, they don't know what to do about it. That uh, is picked up here in this conversation. So Luke 24, beginning verse 13. Now that same day, the day that Jesus raised up from the dead, now that same day, two of them, two of the disciples of Jesus, were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Clopas, uh, asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who, do, who does not know the things that have happened uh, there in these days? Okay, so let's let's pause right here. Um, so basically, the scene is uh, these couple of disciples. They're walking and they are talking about things, and then Jesus kind of joins in with them, and he starts walking with them, and and he asks the question, you know, what are you what are you people discussing? You know, what are you talking about? And they ask the question, verse eighteen. I love this question. They, could you imagine if if Clopas knows that um, Jesus is the one that he's speaking to? Uh, we see that, that what Clopas says is, are you the only one visiting who doesn't know about what's going on? He's talking to the very one that they are talking about. He doesn't know it yet. Okay, He, he can't see because in verse 16, uh, their eyes have been kept from recognizing him. But he is Jesus and he's talking with them and they ask him the question, do you not know what's going on? Do you not know this big news? Like I said, news had spread but not just everywhere just yet. And they're still kind of trying to figure out, okay, what, what is really happening? What does this even mean? Because no one was really expecting this. They weren't expecting just Jesus to rise from the dead. Now, he said that, okay? He said that plenty of times in the Gospels. You can go through there and, and you can look. And he gave uh, several times. He kept telling people, he was like, look, I'm going to have to die. He would say it maybe in a little different terms than that. But that's what he kept saying. He kept telling his disciples that that was going to happen. But they didn't understand it. And right here, they still didn't get that he was going to die, but then he was going to raise it from the dead. They thought, just like what you know we think, we think that there's going to be a resurrection of all the dead. And there still will be. That's in the future. But right here in history, we see that one person did it ahead of time. That's Jesus Christ himself. And he actually shows his power and his might by rising from the dead. He gives us hope that we will also be able to be uh, raised from the dead in the future as well. So let's continue on with this conversation here in Luke 24. Continue on in verse 19 now. What things, Jesus asked, 
About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied, he was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen visions of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women said, but they did not see Jesus. Okay, so this is what's going on. They're telling Jesus, informing him about everything that has been happening. They're keeping him, uh, they're, they're bringing him up to speed. He's the one who's done this. They don't know it. It's kind of a, a pretty humorous story, really, because could you imagine what it would be like if, if you were walking next to Jesus and then you're like, oh, hey, Jesus, you know, although you wouldn't know it was him, but, you know, you were saying, just describing all these great things that have just happened or, or maybe what Jesus has done uh, to be able to provide forgiveness of sins. And it's like, he's the guy who did these things. That's kind of the irony that's going on right here. But it's amazing that apparently what Jesus does is he walks there along with them and he just listens to them and he hears this message. They talk about how they had had hoped in this guy. They had hoped in Jesus in verse 21 and now they seem to be a little confused of what's going on. Well, that's when Jesus has a few things to state. Verses 25 through 27. Jesus said to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Now, I don't know about you, but I wish we had a little bit more of this conversation. Because what we see right here is, yes, he gets on to them, but then he says, and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. So Jesus right here is making the claim that what the prophets were speaking about was about the Messiah. I mean, that's what he says in verse 26. You know, did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and enter his glory? By the way, entering his glory um, is, is kind of an interesting phrase that's used by Jesus talking about his death, but then also uh, it is accomplished through his burial and his resurrection. That's kind of how this whole process of him entering into his glory because he conquered death. Now, there were other people who raised it from the dead. There's a handful of people, even throughout the Old and New Testament, it's probably, I, I don't know, I've counted it up before, but it, it's really just not too many. You could probably count them on, on both of your hands. Um, but there's only a few people in the Old Testament and the New Testament combined that we see were actually raised up from the dead. However, all of those people, they, they raised it from the dead and then they, they died again in the future. Uh, or maybe it was kind of like one of those weird things uh, like uh, like Enoch uh, or Elijah, how they were both kind of um, taken up by God, but then they just kind of disappeared and nobody ever really heard or anything from them. Um, so you have a couple of weird examples like that. But everyone else, what happened to them is they, uh, they would die and then they'd be raised up from the dead. And then after they come back from the dead, uh, they would die again at some point. It was just kind of a temporary type thing. But with Jesus, it was different. The life that he was raised up to live, he never died again. He still is alive to this very day. And we see that that is different. We also find out some interesting things about um, Jesus in this chapter of him being raised up from the dead because we find out um, some hints at, at least what I believe, uh, points to what our own resurrected bodies are going to be like. 
because Jesus, after he's raised up from the dead, he's able to interact with the things of the, the physical world, but yet he's also kind of interacts with them in sort of a weird way. Uh, for example, like, you know, he's hidden from their view. That's kind of odd. It's a little different. Um, and then there's some other things also that we haven't just quite gotten into just yet. But here in verse 26, once again, Jesus is saying, isn't this what all the prophets have spoken about? Verse 26, they spoke that the Messiah is going to have to suffer these things and enter his glory. What things? He's talking about the same things that they were describing to him. And the great thing is, he's the Messiah. He's the one who's fulfilled these scriptures. And we see in verse 27, at beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. See, this is the point of scripture. It's not the only thing, but it definitely is a big thing. Perhaps you might even say it is the main thing. This is also why, as, as I hope to kind of show you in, in upcoming weeks, that the example that we see from the early church is they read the New Testament entirely through the lens of it pointing to Jesus, it talking about Jesus, it having something to do with the Messiah suffering these things, the Messiah entering into these glory, entering into his glory. All of these things, all of the scriptures says something, proclaims something about Jesus. It points to Jesus somehow, in some way. Now, you know, there might be some passages, of course, that we read and we wonder, how does this point to Jesus? And some of them, I will tell you, it's kind of difficult. Some of them, I don't know exactly how that works out. But what we see here is still the statement stands in verses 26 and 27, that what Jesus did is he was uh, revealing these things that were the point of scripture. The point of scripture is the Messiah, what the Messiah was going to accomplish and what he already has accomplished now. This is something that they were waiting for, uh, for hundreds, thousands of years. And now it's something that we can look back on and we can see this has been done. This has been accomplished. In many ways, it's kind of easier for us to be able to see it than what it would have been before the time of Jesus, because now we can look back and we can say, oh yeah, this, this scripture, it definitely is revealing something about Jesus right here. Whereas before Jesus had come, it might have been more difficult to be able to see those things. We can see them more clearly now because the culmination of the ages has already come. And we still boldly proclaim that today. And we still talk about this time. This time that 2,000 years ago, Jesus changed everything for us. Let's continue on now because the, the conversation keeps going. Uh, let's pick back up in verse 28. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if they, as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it's nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. Then he was at the table with them. Uh, when he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were open and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while we talked, while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. They, uh, there they found the eleven, and those with them assembled together and saying, It is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them uh, when he broke the bread. What an amazing story. I mean, this is, this is amazing to, to see what happens right here. So 
they're going to their destination. Whenever they finally get there, Jesus kind of acts like he's going to keep on walking. But they say, no, it's almost dark. Uh, why don't you just stay here with us? And they share a meal with Jesus, still not knowing what's going on. And then what Jesus does is he takes that bread and he breaks it. He, he's giving thanks to, to um, uh, giving thanks about it. He's breaking it and whenever he gives it to them, then they recognize who he is. They understand what's going on. And they're so surprised. They're so surprised that they do something very interesting. In verse 33, it says, they got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. Okay, so their whole logic before, in verse 29, was with Jesus. They say, oh, uh, it's nearly evening. The day's almost over. You need to stay here with us. Then whenever this happens, then they're like, we got to go back to Jerusalem. So they go instantly to Jerusalem. So they kind of go against what they uh, had told Jesus ahead of time. But, you know, seven miles... Yeah, it's, it's a pretty long journey to walk uh, whenever you're just making it as a regular journey. However, if you've got some exciting news that you have got to proclaim, those seven miles probably didn't seem nearly as much um, to travel as what it was the, the first time going there. But I mean, this is just, it's so amazing. And there's a few things that we see in this meal. Uh, of course, with this meal, uh, you know, I, I, I can't help but... Uh, uh, but also think back to kind of the the Last Supper or you know what we call the Lord's Supper today. That there's some some elements that are similar to that. That doesn't mean that this uh, this is really a, a communion setting, um, but it is a time that they were uh, about to partake of a meal with with Jesus right here. Uh, but another thing that we do see about this meal um, that. Uh, uh, that uh, N.T. Wright in his commentary on this passage actually uh, he he mentioned this. Uh, he said, do you remember the first meal that's recorded in the Bible? Uh, the, the first one that we get comes in Genesis 3. And if you remember, it's Eve who she saw that fruit that she wasn't supposed to eat from. And she takes it and she eats it. She gives to her husband who was with her and they, they both ate it. And then do you remember their eyes were open? Kind of interesting, right? In some ways, this story is similar to that, but in a positive way. That first meal was not a good meal. That first meal, it introduced sin and all these bad and negative things into the world. This meal right here, this breaking of the bread, yes, their eyes are opened. And probably with those, those types of words, of course, it would, would bring your ideas back to, uh, uh, back to Genesis. But their eyes were open and what they see is something wonderful. Because Jesus has changed all these things. It's no longer a sad meal that brings sin, but this is a, a, a pleasant meal that brings salvation and, and realization of what Jesus has just done for them. He has raised from the dead. They all know it now, and they are wanting to proclaim it, pro proclaim it very boldly, and, and they do. That's what we keep reading in this chapter. Verses 36 now through 43. While they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. He said to them, Why are you troubled and why do doubts arise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet. And while they still did not believe it because of joy and amazement, he asked them, do you have anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish and he took it and ate it in their presence. 
So here, all of this is still telling us that Jesus has indeed raised from the dead. Things are going to be different. Things are different now. He's telling them this. He's showing them this. He's proving to them that he's not some ghost. No, he has flesh and bones he's about to eat in their presence. And he does. Wow. Could you imagine being in that setting? Well, of course, they're going to talk. And they do. Verses 44 through 49. Notice how similar what Jesus is talking about right here as what he's already told them that the point of scripture is. Well, here we see. Jesus said to them, This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, This is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in my name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I am going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. So this is what he tells his disciples. Now, we're, we're probably a little bit more familiar with like Matthew's uh, end to his gospel. We, we call it the Great Commission. Well, this is kind of the same type of, of scenario that Jesus is describing right here at the end of Luke's gospel. So at the end of Luke's gospel, what he says in verse 44 is, once again, the point of scripture, everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. That was the way of, of talking about the Old Testament, the law, uh, the prophets, the Psalms, or you know the, the writings. Those are three different categories of the different types of writings that appear in the Old Testament. So he's saying all of the Old Testament, it must be fulfilled that was written about him. That's the point of it. He's already kind of spoken about that. And then he also says in verse 46, this is what is written. What is written? Well, he says the Messiah. See, the Messiah is, is the point of it. And what's the Messiah going to do? The Messiah is going to suffer. In fact, he's going to suffer so much that he's going to die. And then he's going to rise from the dead. I mean, that's amazing right there. That is literally life changing. And it does change the lives of, of Christians even today. In verse 47, we also find out that repentance is part of of this message of the Messiah. We also find out that forgiveness of sins is part of the Messiah. And all this is going to be proclaimed in the name of Jesus to all the nations. And it's going to begin in Jerusalem. Now, of course, we pick back up in the book of Acts, which, by the way, Luke wrote uh, the book of Luke and he wrote the book of Acts. He continues on that story and he, well, he says exactly how this is, this is fulfilled. And that's that message that Peter preaches on the day of Pentecost. It's the same one about how all of these, these scriptures, all these, these prophecies and everything, they were fulfilled in the Messiah, in Jesus, who is the Messiah. Things have got to change once you understand that fact. They changed in the life of Peter, and they had to change in the life of his audience too. Once you realize that Jesus is the Messiah, the one who all the scripture points to, it's going to change your life. The point of the scriptures is the Messiah. There's still just a little bit more in Luke's gospel. And with this, we, we're going to end. Verses 50 through 53. When he had led them out of the vicinity to Bethany, he lifted up his hands and blessed them. While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. Then they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they stayed continually at the temple praising God. Their response was to worship. 
and we see as we pick back up in what Luke continues on with that story, their response was not just to worship, but to be faithful to what to what Jesus had told them. And that's what they do. And they boldly proclaim this message to all the nations, for which we are grateful because we're part of those nations. We are the ones who this, this message has been handed down to. The point of the scriptures, it is to point us to Jesus, the Messiah.